In the vastness of stars, what do you see? Darkness. All right, good evening, Crypt Keepers, and welcome to the after party. Now, this after party doesn't have anything to do with what we talked about on Tuesday. There's no connection, just so everyone is aware. But as you know, I am joined, as always, by a man who doesn't sleep. He just rests with one eye open. Ryan, what's up? It's the only way to live nowadays. Gotta watch your back, man. The government. Seriously, you never know. You never know. What would you do if you woke up and there were four men in suits standing around your bed videotaping you? Um, I'd probably do my best to reenact the scene from Hackers from 1995. Okay. Where they like drag the kid out of bed. <laughs> They find out that this kid's a hacker and they drag him out of bed and they take his computer and his computer has a name. And he's like, Lucy, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's all I can think of. <laughs> so did you get a chance to watch the movie yet? No, no, I haven't. I have not. So this is for the listeners. The Artifice Girl is available on Vudu and I'm sure many other places, but it is it goes hand in hand with our AI episodes. And if you haven't seen it, you definitely need to see it, but you need to listen to our podcast first because it really, it it almost is a timeline of what we're talking about the whole way through. It's well done. And the little girl who is uh, basically the main character the actress in the story and i'm, I'm just gonna leave it that at that is amazing so check that out but uh you want to tell them what they need to know sure if you like the show please tell somebody about it it's the best way for it to spread and grow tell friends family members tell your pets tell the government because they're always listening tell your echo devices <laughs> mm-hmm and let us know what you like and what you don't like and what you'd like to hear next. You can do that at crypticpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on TikTok at cryptique underscore podcast, YouTube, cryptique podcast without the underscore. And you can check out some of the merch that we're starting to put out there at crypticpodcaststore.com. Yep. And as always, check out Parabox in the show notes. Absolutely. I don't know, oldnavy.com, and you're looking at polo shirts. And then you'll start getting suggestions, pop-up ads in Facebook and stuff like that. That say, oh, you like polo shirts? Well, here's some polo shirts. I think we've all experienced that. And probably a lot of us have experienced when we're speaking on something and then we start getting ads for it, which is kind of scary too. But 
So the other, my wife's a teacher. She's a second grade teacher, and she brought home a bunch of sets of rocks. So they're basically in boxes. They're glued in, labeled with the definitions. So she can, you know, have a box of igneous, a box of sedimentary, uh, uh, metamorphic, so on and so forth. And we were just talking about it. Nobody looked up rock boxes on the internet, but she actually got a text. I don't remember what site it was from, but a text to her phone as an advertisement for these rock boxes. It's crazy. crazy. Yeah, I've heard of stuff like that before, too. Now, hypothetically, those are not supposed to be... Li- I mean, they're supposed to be listening all the time for the keyword, but they're not supposed to right. send anything home to like be translated to, into some kind of action unless they hear that. And the idea would be that... You know, these algorithms are just getting to know the kind of stuff you're into so well that it's probably a coincidence. But I don't know. I don't know sometimes. Sometimes it's creepy, like how accurate these ads can be as far as like what I'm looking at. Although the weirdest one for me is for years, I have had this ad for like a top popping up in my, a, like on like my website. Like a top? Yeah. Like the top <laughs> that they use for the test in Inception. It's something like that. And it... I did eventually click on it after like a year. It's like, what is this? And it's just mm-hmm. a super high quality top. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, what, what happened? Why did you, why do you think I want this? Yeah. It's like this one, I don't understand. Most of them I get. And I understand that they can kind of build up information like, hey, you've looked at, we'll go back to polo shirts. You've looked at them, you know, six months ago, three months ago two months ago, one month ago, and last week, and then something like a sale pops up and they send you an ad for that. That's one thing. But when you're just talking about boxes of rocks to send you an ad, it's just, yeah, it's, it's highly accurate and pretty scary. So who knows? I mean, God, I guess they're not listening when we're doing our podcast because we'd be getting some crazy shit. You know, they'd be like, oh, you want murder weapons? Okay, well, here's a site for murder weapons. Anyway, I guess we need to get going here. But it's it's pretty scary that they just know we love boxes of rocks. <laughs> so it is what it is, but just beware. So we talked about in our sound bombing episode, if you haven't listened to it, the power of tones and frequencies and the I guess scariest ones are the ones you can't even hear now obviously an echo dot isn't going to have a 28 inch subwoofer that can produce 8 hertz and cause you to shit your pants but who knows who knows what else is out there so watch your dots people but anyway what are we getting into tonight Tonight we're talking about retired Kansas City Detective Roger Golubsky, which is an interesting last name, who is allegedly involved in sex trafficking. Pretty scary, too. Roger Golubsky used his position to shield sex traffickers and drug kingpins from being caught. An experienced homicide investigator in Kansas City collaborated with a local drug lord to help run a sex trafficking enterprise involving young girls, according to charges brought by prosecutors in an explosive indictment recently released. 
According to the three-count indictment filed in the U.S. District Court in Topeka, Roger Golubsky, a retired 35-year member of the Kansas City Police Department, shielded the enterprise from law enforcement investigations by using his position. Golubsky issued a not guilty plea, according to his attorney. According to prosecutors, girls as young as 13 were victims of the sex trafficking business, which was conducted out of an apartment complex in the 1990s by a local crack dealer named Cecil Brooks and two other men. In exchange for his protection, Golubsky received money from Brooks and was permitted to choose girls to provide him with sexual services, according to the indictment. Golubsky, who retired from the police force in 2010, was charged in September with sexually abusing a lady and an adolescent girl 20 years ago while acting under color of law, which means he committed the offenses while in uniform. Disgusting. Yeah, absolutely. And we wonder why people don't trust the police anymore. Right. It's the same thing. Like, if we see, you know, someone that, you know, wins an election to Senate or Congress or whatever, and when they go in, they're worth, you know, maybe half a million dollars or something like that. And then after four years, they come out and they're worth, you know, 20 million. That raises some red flags. And it's kind of the same thing with police. I mean, you know, you can say police don't make enough or they make too much or whatever your argument is. If you see someone who's just a police officer and he rolls in in a new Corvette and, you know, his wife doesn't work or, or whatever, that's kind of a red flag. When when a detective shows up wearing $3,000 suits, and I'm not saying this happened with this guy. I'm just saying that when you see police officers and they start acquiring wealth, you have to ask yourself, where's that coming from? Because they're probably, I, I don't know what the average salary is of a, of a police officer, but it's not Bentley money. I know that it's not $3,000 suit money. So if you see that, that's a red flag. All right, go ahead. Sorry. Prosecutors released a second indictment against him recently charging him with conspiracy against rights and two counts of involuntary servitude in relation to the suspected sex trafficking ring while he awaited trial under home detention in the first case. So they just keep finding new stuff on this guy. Yeah. So are they charging him while he was waiting the first case or was he doing more stuff while he was while the first indictment was going on? I think that the first indictment took place and then there were still things going on, you know, under the table. Um, I don't know what kind of strings this guy could pull or whatever, but yeah, he was already indicted and then continued with this despicable activity while he was under indictment in home detention. So. It, it, it's not like he was indicted and then there were several years, you know, while he was waiting to have his day in court. You know, this happened fairly quickly. All right, so both cases are the result of a multi-year grand jury investigation. According to the recent indictment, Golubsky's alleged accomplice, Cecil Brooks, recruited young females who were runaways or were from broken homes and kept them locked in a room at an apartment complex where Brooks and several others, including Richard Bone Robinson, used threats and physical whippings to force them to engage 
in sex acts. The indictment alleges that two unidentified victims were held captive and compelled to engage in sexual activity. One of the victims informed investigators that Golubsky yanked her hair, suffocated her, and raped her when she was only 16 years old. It was not immediately clear whether Golubsky's co-defendants appeared in court and, if so, how they pleaded to the charges. None were immediately available for comment, of course. So Golubsky first came under public scrutiny in 2016 for his work in the double murder conviction of a man named Lamont McIntyre. McIntyre, who had served 23 years in prison, was freed in 2017 when the district attorney for Wyandotte County, which includes Kansas City, Kansas, concluded he no longer had faith in the conviction and asked a judge to dismiss it. Following his release, McIntyre and his mother filed a civil lawsuit in federal court against multiple officers involved in his arrest, taking particular aim at Golubsky. The suit accused Golubsky of using his badge to terrorize the black community for decades. It's alleged a wide array of crimes and misconduct, including sexually preying upon vulnerable black women and of having an illicit association with the aforementioned Cecil Brooks, who allegedly paid Golubsky for information and protection. So, there's a couple ways we can look at this. Now, obviously, there is no excuse for this. No excuse whatsoever. This person took an oath and repeatedly, allegedly broke the oath. But, on the other side, you have to look at, well, if he's making $27,000 a year being a detective, that is more likely to open someone up for corruption. And it, like I said, it doesn't excuse it. And I don't think we should pay people based on the hope that they will not be corrupt to get more money. But that is a side of it, right? Now, I don't think that police officers should be making $5 million a year. But if they were, they're probably not going to be taking a bunch of bribes. But human nature is greed. So it is what it is. I have to wonder if they don't do some kind of check every so often. Because I know experience if you work for a military contractor, they at least at the beginning of your position or whenever you change positions, they kind of want to look at your, depending on what you're doing. Right. They want to look at your financial position to make sure that you're not in a position that would make you susceptible to bribery. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to make sure that you're not in a whole bunch of debt, uh, you know, or not making enough money to make ends meet so that, you know, somebody could come along and be like, Hey, I heard you're working on the blah, blah, blah project. You know, mm-hmm. I'll give you an extra five grand a month to just, you know, give me little updates about what's going on there. Yeah. You'd think they would potentially do the same thing with cops and just be like, hey, you know, Golubsky's either not doing so good, maybe we should keep an eye on him, or uh, he's doing real good. Like, well, he's showing right. up to work in a Maserati now. Like, what's going on? Yeah. And I, I guess. Now is as good a time as any to get into it. But so when we talk about abduction, and essentially this is abduction, 
right? If they take these girls and hold them against their will, it's abduction, kidnapping, false imprisonment, all that stuff. So it's natural for us to want to be tough on that, right? Oh, you kidnap a child? Fucking life in prison. Sounds great, right? Sounds awesome. Definitely, those motherfuckers need to go away forever. And that may be true, but you also have to look at if kidnapping a child gets you life in prison, that child might not be coming back. You know what I mean? Like, if if they say, well, I'm going to go away for life just for abducting this child, even if, you know, she escapes or we let her go or whatever, then you're probably going to say, I've got to kill this child and do my best to hide it. So you have to kind of look at statistics, percentages, stuff like that, because if we can save a life by having a little bit less of a sentence on something, I think it's worth it. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I thought the same thing. You know, if if you're, I'm trying to think of like a parallel, kind of like if you're, if the penalty for stealing any money is some, you know, really serious sentence, chop your hand off. Yeah, then you might be like, well, if I'm going to risk it, I might as well go big and like rob a whole bank. Yeah, and kill right? any cops like, or anybody I have to to get away. You're right. Right. Right, do like the movie kind of bank robbery where it's like open the safe and all that stuff, not not the tellers. Yeah, not the one where you come in with a note and you're like put whatever's in the drawer in the bag and nobody gets hurt. It's like one guy and then they run out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that is the same kind of sentence regardless of which one you do. But yeah, it's like, well, if from this point it's the same sentence, I might as well go as far as I can. Yeah. It depends on the kind of person and their mentality, but yeah. And we need to think about that stuff because, you know, every politician is like, well, I want to be tough on crime. I want to be tough on crime. Well, be smart on crime and, you know, do what gets the results, even if it's counterintuitive, because we want to punish these people. But more than that, we want to get the victims back. Well, and this is something I've thought about before, too. It's, you know, what what is the goal of our justice system is it to punish because they they tend to say you know it's not punishment it's rehabilitation it's not rehabilitation at all no it doesn't seem to be and then it's never popular it's never popular to be easier on something Mm -hmm. right they they just had more and more or it seems to me that if you commit whatever your special crime is you know, there's more and more uh, restrictions on what you can do, places you can work, places you can go. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it makes it so that once you commit a crime, you... I mean, there was this phrase that you used to hear in like movies and TV that's like, well, I, I did my time, I paid my debts. Mm-hmm. And you're supposed to be released back into society if everything's gone right. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really seem to happen anymore. So these people have, you know, very little incentive to not do whatever it was that they did again. You yeah. know, like if you, if you, like you, Jay, if mm-hmm. you think like, you know, I could really use an extra 20 grand, maybe I'll go rob a bank. The, the thing to stop you from doing that is you lose your home, your family, 
right whatever else that you have going on while you're in jail then when you get out if you had really paid your debts and you just go back into society you can build your life up again and then you have that again to lose you know what that's going to be like to lose it but if they make it so you can never have a normal life again yeah then what do you have to lose yeah you already know what jail's like so i don't know it's it's a strange thing and i know that it's one of those things because it's politically popular to be tough on crime but i think it would make a lot more sense you know, I, I do definitely think there are some people who are just, it is illogical to let them out again. Right. Some of these people that I hear about in these murder shows that Kim listens to, it's like, how could you ever let that person out? Like, they right. knew what they were doing for like the 20 years that they were doing this. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way their their judgment can ever be trusted, but... Then there are other ones where, you know, a guy and a girl are dating and the guy's like 19 and the girl's like 17. You hear these crazy stories. Right. Where, you know, if if just like something with the case had gone a different way, they would have been like, well, they're, you know, they're only two years apart. They're a couple. It's consensual. It's whatever. But then there are other ones where it's like, well, this is, you know, pedophilia or whatever. And now this guy's going to be marked this way for his entire life. And even in some of those cases, those couples stay together. Hmm. And if they move somewhere, the guy has to go around and be like, yes, I've, yeah. you know, committed this crime because I had sex with my wife when we were underage or when she was yeah. underage. And yeah. it's like, I don't know. Well, well, you can get, I mean, like one of my friends, uh, he got caught going to the bathroom in public. It was not... I mean, it was actually in a park at like two in the morning where we had all been drinking and we're like, hey, let's go to the park. Yeah, sounds like great judgment. And (laughs) a cop pulled up while he was taking a leak in the park and gave him a ticket for, um, what is it, public indecency, something like that. And I don't, nothing ever came out of it. Like he doesn't have to... um, you know, register as a sex offender or anything like that, but it could be. I mean, if, you know, if he didn't have an attorney, stuff like that, he could have had to register as a sex offender for being around a bunch of adults and walking over away from us and taking a leak. And that's totally ridiculous. But I don't know. There's so many loopholes in the law, and I think just having a good attorney probably got him off that he actually had charlie shaw as an attorney so if you don't know who that is he's kind of famous in st louis at least in the you know 80s and 90s so well and that's one of the things that seems unfair to me as well that you know i've i have had dealings where it's come down to my lawyer saying like well we have a case and Mm -hmm. we want to sue this person for this thing that they did but you know is it really worth the money yeah. Like, is whatever we're going to get really worth? 
like spending what we're going to have to spend. And it's kind of a shame that sometimes getting justice is just too expensive. Yeah, absolutely. Another thing that um, is kind of messed up with our system, I think, is you have a guy that is arrested for crime A. It's a felony and it's not something real good. So he is in prison. He does his, you know, like say he gets a 20 year sentence for uh, robbing a string of uh, like quick shops or whatever. And then he goes into prison and they're like, well, he's, he's doing really good. He's got good behavior. Uh, you know, he's doing this, he, he's doing that. He's helpful. He's working in the prison, blah, 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 blah. So we think he's safe to release back into society. And it's like, well, well, hold on a second. You know, this guy took shots at somebody and missed and now he's in prison. And let's just say for the sake of argument, he has a lot less access to drugs. And I know you can get, you know, whatever you want in prison. I understand that. But chances are this guy in prison isn't going to be out robbing, stealing, whatever to get his drug money. And he knows if you're not on good behavior in prison, somebody could just take your life. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna be a lot more in check and that goes for anybody. I mean, if you put me with my badassery in a room with 20 killers, I'm shutting the fuck up. I'm backing into the corner. I'm being quiet. I'm not, obviously I'm joking about me being a tough guy or whatever, but you get the picture. You know, you, you put somebody, you put a bad person around really bad people and they're going to watch their step, but then they get back out in society and it's like, Hmm, I was victimized in prison. So I'm going to keep doing what I was doing. And the parameters in society are a lot less uh, consequential, perhaps. Now, you could go in to rob a quick quick shop, and that guy's got a 20-gauge behind the counter and just caps you, and you're done. Uh, you could break into a house to try and rape somebody, and, you know, their pit bulls maul you or something like that. But it's a lot different than knowing that if you fuck up, somebody could kill you right there. People who have done it and people who are capable of doing it are right there waiting for you to fuck up. You're going to stay in line. So I don't know. I've just, you know, I've done a lot of cases on exploring evil and I listen to true crime podcasts all the time. And it's the disparity between sentences is absolutely unbelievable. I have seen people get 15 years for admitting to being involved in a quadruple murder, not a getaway driver, a participant, and being charged with two more murders. And I'm talking specifically about the Laura Bible case in Oklahoma, where a guy admitted to all this he made a deal I'll tell you where the girls bodies are if you give me a 15 year sentence they said sure let's do it he said the bodies are in a basement on main street between the 1200 block and the 3000 block 
And they went and searched all these houses, every single house with cadaver dogs, and found nothing. And he still got the deal. And to top that off, after five years, they let him go for good behavior. A man who admitted to being involved in a quadruple murder did five years in prison. And now he's out, the deal stands, and he's a free man. And they say, well, you know, he's, he's older now, he's not a threat. And it's like, well, if you look at the details of the first crime, it's not that he did all this himself. He recruited younger people and basically manipulated them. And, and I'm not giving them, you know, any kind of uh, free pass or anything, but he did manipulate them into doing this. So now that he's like 70, can he still manipulate people? And he did this when he was in his 50s. So it's not like, you know, he was 25 and then, you know, he got all his, you know, sowed all his wild oats or whatever and is going to be a good boy now. He was an awful person at 50. And, you know, 15 years later, when he finally got caught and admitted to everything, um, he's, he's not going to be a better person. It just doesn't work that way. The case settled last summer for $12.5 million, but neither Golubsky nor the other defendants, which included fellow officers and the county government, acknowledged any wrongdoing. The allegations centered around Golubsky garnered national attention last year when Team Rock, the social justice and philanthropic arm of rapper Jay-Z's entertainment company Rock Nation, took out a full-page ad in the Washington Post calling the alleged police corruption in Kansas City one of the worst examples of abuse of power in U.S. history and urged the Department of Justice to investigate Golubsky and the Kansas City Police Department. <sighs> and it's funny, actually... Um, Speaking of the Kansas City Police Department, I might have told you this outside the podcast. But there was a guy who was essentially trying mm -hmm. to scam me out of my business. He was trying to convince me to sell it to him, to turn it over to him. And he told me all these things about his work history and like the things that he had done. And mm -hmm. he looked kind of young, but some people do. You know, there, there are people where... I don't know. I was I was in a gas station the other day, and I was just curious. I was looking at the cigarettes behind the counter, mm -hmm. and I was like, "What does a pack of spirits cost? American spirits?" She was like, "Like twelve bucks," and I was like, "Holy shit! Those were like five the last time yeah. I bought a pack of cigarettes for somebody." You know, and she was like, "Oh yeah, you know, Paul Malls are like seven yeah. or something," and I was like, "Those were like two. And she was looked at me, and she's like, "How old are you?" <laughs> she's yeah. like, "It had to have been a long time ago that you bought cigarettes," and I was like, "It it was a long time." Anyway, so I gave this guy the benefit of the doubt, but yeah, his uh, girlfriend or fiance wound up coming in at one point and she was like, hey, have you been talking to this guy? And I said, yeah. And she's like, okay, well, we just broke up because he scammed these people out of like $10,000 and he scammed these people out of a bunch of money and now everybody's coming yeah. after him and he's trying to like throw me under the bus. She's like, so I just want to warn you. And she's like, mm -hmm. what, what has he told you about himself? And I told her all these things, and she's like, no, that's not true. That's not true. Like, he told me that he was a... Conan lover? Veteran. No, that he was a veteran. Mm. 
That's awful. And she was like, what the fuck? She was like, he's not a veteran. She's like, I'm a veteran. Yeah. Like, she pulled her ID out. She's like, I'm going to school right now on the GI Bill. I would, like, this is so fucked up. They should just the throw only... that guy in a room of veterans and be like, this is what a veteran is. <laughs> Let them see. Yeah. This guy looks old, but, but he fucking carried people on his shoulders. You know, two fellow soldiers out of gunfire. That's a veteran. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the only thing he said that was true was that he worked in some capacity at one point. He said that he was <laughs> like a member of SWAT for Kansas City PD. I mm-hmm. don't know if that was true. But he apparently did work in some capacity for that police department for a little while. But he he turned out to be like in his, but yeah, just a weird connection to the Kansas City Police Department. I don't know. Our system is so messed up, and I, I don't know exactly what the answer is. And I hate that because um, I want it to work. I, and you know, it's also hard because. People don't want to spend any money on prisoners, right? They want to say, how can we spend less uh, on prison? So you take away, you know, some of the college programs and stuff like that. And then, like you said, they get out, they have no skills. They have trouble getting hired. And then they commit more crimes and end up back in prison. So here's the deal. Do these prisoners deserve every opportunity to get an education? Because we don't have that on the outside. Do they deserve every opportunity to gain skills, whatever it is? And that's not something that we have on the outside. So we say, do they deserve it? Well, maybe not. But do you want them to come out and start robbing and killing people again? Or do you want them to have a chance to become part of society again? And that's hard. It's counterintuitive and it's expensive. But you have to look at the end results. Look at the big picture. What do you want? Do you want this person to spend 20 hard years in prison? Yeah, I do. But I don't want them to come out and start killing people again. And I don't want them to come out and start robbing people again. So looking at the big picture, sometimes what feels counterintuitive is the right answer. Do you feel me? Yeah. I mean, I think a big part of the problem is... Uh, for-profit companies running prisons. I think it incentivizes... For sure. ...keeping people in prison. I think... I mean, it. prisons used to be run by the state. The food was made on site. Work was done by the prisoners on site. Everything was kind of self-contained, and it wasn't for profit. Right. And now everything's for profit. Like, you know, they don't have to prepare the food on site. They can order it from somewhere else because they're charging all that back to the government. Mm-hmm. You know, there are so many ways to waste money and to keep people in longer than they should because I don't know exactly how they charge but I would imagine you know a prison with a thousand people gets more funding than one with 500 people sure it there's a lot that's wrong about that I don't think there should ever even be the option for a conflict of interest like that a hundred percent the federal prison complex 
is a murky web and I feel like it, you know, I agree with you. I feel like it should be 100% government owned, run, operated, funded, everything, because it is something that we've decided should try and rehabilitate people and should punish people. But when, when rehabilitation or punishment is not the goal, and the goal is simply to make cash, then the decisions that you make change. You don't do what's best for society. You don't do what's best for the prisoner. You don't do what's best for the victim. You don't do what's best for the country or the state or wherever. You do what's best for your money. Mm -hmm. That is, you know, an invitation for corruption, like you said, so. Well, and I always just wonder, like I kind of mentioned before, you know, are we punishing or are we rehabilitating? Because outwardly we say rehabilitating. But all the action we take generally tends to be towards punishment. And it's not for me. I mean, if, if society's decided that this is the right way to go, fine. Mm -hmm. You know, like we rely on this system to be there for us. So we all have to be participants in it and subject to it. But if it's if it's for punishment, let's be honest about it. And if it's for rehabilitation, then let's look, let's look at the results that we're actually getting out of it. You know, there are some, I guess, sticky details where, you know, if we're talking Jeffrey Dahmer, well, he's not going to be rehabilitated because he's batshit crazy. And if we're talking about Ted Bundy, he could easily fool all the psychiatrists and make it seem like he's ready to be let back into society. Those people that get life sentences for violent crimes with no chance of parole, and I know, you know, uh, Bundy got the death penalty, but if you want to punish serial killers, that's fine. If you want to punish you know, serial rapist, that's fine. But if somebody steals a thousand dollars worth of stuff from Babies R Us to try and feed and diaper their kid and, you know, whatever, that's a little different. You know, that person can be rehabilitated. That person is missing things that they need in their lives. But they shouldn't be punished the same as a serial killer. You know what I mean? The punishment doesn't always fit the crime. And it would be like if uh, a kid brought a gun to school and was expelled. Okay, sure, totally get that. But if a kid has five truancies, should they be expelled too? 
no, it doesn't make sense. But we measure our rehabilitation in time mostly, not in, you know, what this person is guilty of. And, and I understand that there's different levels of prison. We talk about, you know, country club prisons and stuff like that. But I don't think that somebody that, you know, is convicted of stealing a thousand dollars worth of baby formula should go to the same prison as somebody who killed somebody for their money. And I don't know, it just seems like throwing everybody in the same pit and hoping that it works on some of them. I agree with that 100%. So, uh, this guy, on the other hand, Golubsky, used his power and he is, in my mind, was, okay, so think about this. You're, you're with a bunch of buddies, right? And they say, hey, let's stop by the gas station and grab some beer. And you're like, all right, I'm going to fill the tank up. And then they come running out of the store and jump in the car and you leave. And they killed the guy inside. You're guilty of first degree murder. Or, or, or at least you're going to be charged with it because you're just as guilty as the crimes that were committed by people that you were quote-unquote assisting, even if you didn't necessarily know about it. Got any final thoughts? Nope. No, I'm with you. If this is proven to be true, I agree. Because this is one of those things like we were talking about, if you, you know exactly what you're doing, this is not... You know, somebody who got into a car accident or something like that, like made some drunk <clears throat> driving mistake. That, yeah, made a mistake that you could say is not indicative of a pattern of behavior. Mm-hmm. You know, they weren't intentionally doing something harmful like this guy 100% was, if all this is true. Yeah, I mean, it was like a second job, right? Because it's always possible that this guy, maybe this guy didn't do it. And that's another thing to think about. Maybe this guy didn't do it. Maybe there were old other detectives or other people within law enforcement who were doing this and they pinned it on him. They're like, well, we can't ruin our reputation. This guy's already retired. Let's ruin his. But we'll we'll try to keep him out of jail if we can and we'll settle for this amount. But Yeah, well, there were other people involved too. And, you know, I, I just, I think if he's found guilty, I guess I should say that. If he's found guilty, throw the man in a pit. Because this is what we need gone from society. Sympathy or empathy for crooked cops. Now, I think there's a lot of cops that are vilified that aren't necessarily villains. But if you're found to be corrupt, we're all human, right? I mean, you're a big dude. You could punch somebody once and kill them. Uh, they fall down and hit their head. Are you a murderer? Yeah, maybe in the eyes of the law, but are you really? In the vastness of stars, what do you see? Darkness. I don't know. I guess we we should wrap it up. We're getting pretty deep in the weeds here. But... <laughs> yeah. Anyway, all right. You want to tell them what they need to know? Darkness. Yeah. As always, if you like what you're hearing, let us know. Uh, 
tell us what you want to hear next. Make any suggestions. We're always open to new ideas. You can do that at crypticpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on social media, as I mentioned at the top of the show. You can check out Parabox in the show notes because they have fantastic designs and they've been supporting us all this time and we really appreciate it. And as I always say, the best way for us to spread is like a virus, person to person. (laughs) We need you to let people know that you like the show, let people know who might be interested in the kind of stuff we're doing. Maybe give us a suggestion and we'll do it. And then you can have your friends all come together because somebody finally made a show about your particular topic because I'm sure there have to be topics that we're all missing out there. Absolutely. Well, definitely take your mask off and help us spread like a virus to all your friends and enemies. (laughs) But anyway, I guess that's all we've got for you tonight. We hope you enjoyed the show and we will be back with you on Tuesday. Possibly with an episode on the Count. Is it Count of St. Germain or Count St. Germain? I always hear it as Count St. Germain. Okay. So we might be talking about that next week, or we may have something else crazy planned for you. We've got a lot of good stuff coming up. Uh, We have a Slenderman, Rake, Tulpa, Philip the Ghost episode. We've got probably an after party on the Kandahar Giant. We have an episode on the true story of the Entity movie, which is about a woman who was allegedly repeatedly raped by unseen entities. And we have the Angola Pigman. That'll be a fun one. And then Ryan's working on the Doddleston case, so we're still around in a few yep. years. You might hear that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, good evening, Crypt Keepers. 